This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Illini Enquirer podcast. Let's chop it up with our guy, Mike Latua, Illini Enquirer basketball analyst, former Illinois guard, right state guard as well. And Mike, we're talking about a team that's on a little bit of a winning streak. I know it hasn't all been you know, great looking, especially uh, with what happened at Re- UT Rio Grande Valley at the at uh, State Farm Center, but this was a pretty feel-good win uh, against Notre Dame. I know it got close towards the end, and uh, Illinois had to make free throws to end up winning that game, and, and Alfonso Plummer did a great job of doing that. But uh, that that felt like with Trent Frazier back, and we got to give him a lot of praise for this. You know, with Jacob Grandison back, we haven't seen the full team yet, but it, it's starting to feel like, hey, maybe they're settling in a little bit. So, what were your takeaways uh, from the win over Notre Dame? You mentioned a feel-good win. Um, and why, right? You know, why was that a feel-good win? And I think it's because if you look at the box score, if you watch the game, I didn't really think it was a situation where it was like, wow, this Notre Dame team is so bad. Um, they have some pieces, you know, they, they have some really, really good pieces. And I thought, you know, given all the uncertainty that Illinois faced pregame, you know, leading up to that game, um, they needed to come out and play with an edge. And, and I thought that they played with a, a better edge than probably any game that they played with um, played in this year. Uh, it was just evident right from the tip. Uh, maybe part of that is just is the State Farm Center rocking a little bit. But I thought they not only started that way, but they sustained it. And when you make shots early, too, that, that ends up happening. But you go, you go through the entire game. It wasn't a mistake-free game. You know, they didn't play the perfect game. Um, I think that's what everyone sets out to do, but they didn't play that perfect game. But when you play hard, when you play with an edge, you, I'm telling you, man, like you will always, always give yourself a chance. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this wasn't a Purdue game, right? Like that we saw last night where that team looks like the number one team in the country. We'll see if they can beat Iowa. Illinois has not been that yet. Uh, And they obviously have not been a complete team quite yet. The other part, I think we're, we're remembering Mike here. Uh, is, is you got the nation's potentially best player, right? Uh, maybe one, two, whatever you want to do a Timmy three, four, I, I don't know, but you just have a force inside that he's the reason you have a chance to compete at the top of the big 10. He's the reason you're a no doubt. I'm still going to say it, no doubt NCAA tournament team. He's the reason like every other team has a disadvantage, right? When, when you go, and I'm including Purdue in that with Zach Eady and Trevian Williams, as good as they are, and they are way better in Illinois out in the perimeter, like Kofi Coburn is uh, an eraser on the inside, and he's a big man leading the country in points right now. That probably won't hold, but it, it could. I mean, he's going to be one of the top scorers 
in the country, uh, just completely dominant against Notre Dame, had no answer for him. I know it's UT Rio Grande Valley, but 38 points in that game, that's not common. I mean, it's one of the top 15 scoring performances in Illinois history. So um, he's back, the big man's back, and boy, it's, it's fun to watch him operate. He's gotten immensely better around the rim finishing Mike. His touch is so much better. There are still some things defensively he needs to improve, but offensively and, and rebounding wise, he's just a juggernaut. It's seriously, I mean, there's, there's so many superlatives that you can throw in there for, for Kofi and, and adjectives to describe him. And I'm just so impressed with him, man. Um, and, and it goes beyond the box score. It goes beyond watching it and seeing just, <clears throat> just how dominant he is. I'm impressed with his consistency. Um, and I think a lot of his consistency you can attribute to, like I said, he's the biggest guy on the floor. We all know that, but there's been plenty of big guys that have played in college basketball. Um, part of his consistency is his attitude. And part of his consistency is his body language. It's always good. Like I, there may be some bad calls sometimes and and you can see it, but that's, that's any player. But for the most part, he plays with a smile on his play, face. He plays with joy. And you will always give yourself a chance to be successful when you play like that, when you're focused on the right things, when you're focused on your teammates. I saw Trent Frazier make a turnover in the game, and Kofi walked right over and put his arm around him. Like That is a guy that, even having all the accolades, right, even having the, the National Player of the Year spotlight, having – you know, the year that he's putting together thus far, like he still pours himself into his teammates because I think he knows that he can attribute a lot of his success to his teammates. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what makes the whole dynamic really, really neat. And, and it's a dynamic where you look at the impact of him leaving um, and what that would have looked like if he did and, and how appreciative we should all be as a, you know, as fans or, or as viewers that he did come back because it's great for this Illinois team. It's great for college basketball. And I think it's great for the kid, um, you know, and I hope it really does lead to more people choosing to go that route because Kofi Coburn did not hurt his stock by coming back. If anything, you know, he, the way he started this year, he is, he has certainly increased that. Um, and his teammates are a big reason for that. And, and his attitude and his body language um, is also a big reason for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this 26 of 35 shooting the last uh, couple of games. He started 10 of 11 and towards the end of the game, he started to force a little bit. But uh, his free throw shooting looks back to freshman year levels, which is a really bad thing uh, for teams if he can keep that up, because if he makes 65 to 70 percent of his free throws, man, the efficiency for him, you can't hack him maybe at the end of games. Uh, and his rebounding still remains good. He, he draws a ridiculous amount of fouls. But you're right. I mean, Brad Underwood says he never has a bad day. And it's it's so valuable uh, for Illinois to to have that kind of consistency because you know a guy like TJD, you know Trace Jackson Davis, kind of been up and down in his career. Maybe he's figuring out now uh, in his third year, but uh, Kofi certainly brings that. Got to bring up Trent Frazier, man. I, I was texting before the game. I, I, are they trying to you know psych out Notre Dame that Trent might play? Came out kind of limping. Uh, you know, ran out of the court about thirty minutes before. He plays 32 freaking minutes <laughs> with uh, probably bone bruise. I think DeMonte said that and leaked that a little bit the other day in an interview, bone bruise. But um, what a gutsy performance. And, and Mike, what was the impact of Trent being back on the court? Because didn't light up the box score, right? Seven points, though, six assists. But what was the impact of Trent Frazier being on the court? Well, the impact is he's the point of attack defensively. Um, 
And anytime you have an offensive team that is trying to get into their action, that is trying to, you know, especially late, they went with Wesley with those, with the, with the high ball screens, but early on, you could see his impact immediately. Um, they, they had, they struggled getting into things um, and getting into and getting the looks that they wanted. And there's something about having him on the floor that creates this, this team confidence. I think both offensively and defensively, you can count on him offensively to play the right way and um, move the ball and, and, and take good shots. But defensively, the dude just, he just covers up so much. Uh, for those of you that'll stick around for the film breakdown, uh, there's, we'll have a little bit of that in there. Uh, and he just is such a difference maker on that end. Um, but he's such a difference maker just for like, you know, people talk about heart and soul of the team. You know, if people talk about that ad nauseum and it's true, people talk about it because it's true. You know, Brad Underwood talks about it because it's true. Um, there's something about having that guy there, even if he's in the building and on the bench, it's different when he's on the court, mm-hmm. you know, it's different when he's out there and, and credit him, you know, he doesn't start. He comes off the bench in this particular game and you're dealing with an injury, a knee injury, which, you know, you talk about knee, you talk about backs, like those are typically the most debilitating injuries. And I said it during the game, like still not, still not getting screened. (laughs) Like it's just not, it's just ingrained in him. And I think when he finishes up his career here, and people, I, I think maybe it's like the super senior year is starting to give people a little bit more of that perspective where it's like, man, what he has given to this program is, is nothing short of, of remarkable. But you see him maintain that hunger and not kind of rest on his laurels a little bit. Like he just, he's just a I want more guy uh, and not from a role perspective because we've seen him have to sacrifice in that regard a little bit. Um, but he's an I want more guy in terms of I want more for this team. I want more for this program. And that starts with his fight that that starts with his tenacity. And I, and I think it trickles down to the rest of the team. Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of all think of Andres Felice in those terms, but it feels like Trent Frazier's finally starting to get that kind of appreciation. You know, Chester Frazier was one of those guys too, who, you know, uh, the career didn't always go well, but everyone kind of knew him as his warrior. And I just think he'll be a fan favorite uh, forever for, for what he's doing. He's going to be a big part of this season. And, you know, thought that he could be out for a month here, Mike, at, at best. And and now to have him only really miss one game, especially with what's going on with Curbelo, that's big. I don't want to gloss over Jacob Grandison either. Three huge threes, four assists. Um, you know, defensively, Illinois struggled a little bit, right? I mean, Notre Dame still got one point. I think it was one, two points per possession in that game. But uh, what did Grandison add by him coming back? I mean, having those two guys it was noticeable. Um, you know, DeMonte didn't have to play the point. Some of these other guys could play kind of smaller roles or their normal roles. Well, it's another guy that knows his role. Um, you know, and we'll probably, we'll probably touch on that here in a little bit where it comes to identity and how you can maximize your abilities as a team when everybody maximizes their abilities within their role and knows exactly who they are and what their role is and what their limitations are. And that's something you have at Jacob Granson. He's a catch and shoot guy that can occasionally go off the bounce um, he's a guy that keeps balls alive on the offensive glass. He's a guy that, that fights defensively. You know, he's not the quickest guy in the world, um, but he finds a way to use his body in ways that, um, you know, that benefit this team both offensively and defensively. So there's no, you know, there's no, you can't have a shortage of those types of guys um, and the impact that they have. And, you know, I, I thought in the UT Rio Grande Valley game, that was kind of part of it. Like I really thought that having a Jacob Grandison um, in those type of situations is would be huge. Um, 
you know, and then not really having a lot of practice time. It's just, it kind of shows you the mentality of, of a guy like that, a guy like Trent Frazier, where it's like, who cares? Let's, I mean, it's game time. Let's go play. Um, you know, once you start falling into like that, I was sick, I was this, like, you're just, you're talking yourself out of playing well. Um, and, and he was three for four from three. He kept balls alive. He took care of the ball. You know, I think he had four assists as well. Um, I mean, geez, I, you look at this team in general. I mean, they had 12 turnovers. Six of those, you know, six of those were from big men. And six were the primary ball handlers, the guys that have the ball in the hands the majority of the game were, had the other six. And you, can, and you can combine 150 minutes between all of them. So that was one of the more encouraging things as well. Um, but Jacob, it starts with a guy like Jacob Grandison, who, who really knows his, knows his role, knows his identity, and knows his limitations. You, can, you really can't have enough of those guys. Coleman Hawkins, first three games, Mike, 14.3 points, 9.3 rebounds. Next three games, 6.3 points, four rebounds, 2.3 turnovers. Um, Underwood is hard on him, right? And you can tell because he thinks he's going to be really good. He, he's got a really high ceiling here. He's not locked in defensively. Lost Wazuski, I think, the first couple plays. Just can't have that. He seems he needs to be more focused, locked in defensively. Does bring good energy, made a huge play, put back late in the game. Is this just typical sophomore playing a bigger role stuff? Because it just feels like these are the growing pains he's going through right now, right? Yeah, and I, I think, too, you're, you're talking about 19, 20-year-olds that probably, and I would guess that Coleman Hawkins hears the talk of – he may be the best pro prospect on the team. You know, he may be, you know, you have guys like Chad Ford, um, you know, tweeting out NBA draft stuff and putting out sleepers and Coleman Hawkins is, you know, like you'd be crazy to think that guys don't see that or hear about it or a dad's reading it or like a cousin's reading it and telling you about it. And you just got to find a way. And I'm not saying that this is what Coleman Hawkins is doing, but settling into exactly who you are and what your role is. Um, I'll keep going back to it. Like I think Coleman Hawkins can have such an impact on this team being a stretch four, stretch four, stretch five, pick and pop, occasionally get to point A, point B with, with the ball. Um, don't feel like you have to be a decision maker. That clearly has, is not his strength thus far. Um, and he's finding that out, right? Like this team, as they started this year, the turnovers, like typically you contribute turnovers to got to guys not knowing who they are yet. Um, and then once that happens, the turnovers come down, but I thought his, his, you know, kind of ball batted around, grab it, laid in to make it 71 63. That, that to me, that was a play of the game. Like yeah. that was what sealed the game in my eyes. Um, 69 63, they get that rebound, come down. Dan Goodwin hits a three. You're talking a one possession game. So taking that from two possessions to three possessions in the, in the time that he did, but then also factoring in, Hey, you know, 17 and a half minutes in the first half and you're on the bench two fouls. Um, really, really hard to get back into rhythm there. And credit Brad Underwood because he draws up a lob with 18 and a half minutes left in the second half. And that's just coaching. That is just smart coaching. Hey, here's our guy, Coleman Hawkins, who hasn't been in a rhythm. Let's get him, let's get him an easy one. You know, like, yeah, I know we have Kofi Coburn going, but the reason that play worked was because Kofi Coburn was one set in the back screen. So nice. I credit to, you know, credit to Coleman Hawkins for kind of sticking with it. Um, sure. Like wasn't a mistake free game, but he's going to continue to learn, learn about himself and grow. Like you can't expect this to just be instantaneous. You know, you can't expect to watch like an orange and blue scrimmage and be like, 
I mean, like for me, like me and Ravante Rice led an orange and blue scrimmage in scoring. We both had 17. That didn't mean that I was going to play 35 minutes of point guard. So, you know, you give some time for the development. And I think he, he really, I mean, I, I say it over and over again, but the, the sky's the limit for this kid. And yeah. the more he can rein that in and be focused, like he, he missed some closeouts, right? And, and like even in that two and a half minute stretch before he got his two fouls, missed some closeouts, offensive foul, you know, like, but we always say you want to be able, you'd rather have to rein a guy back in than kick a guy in the butt to, to play hard. Coleman, playing hard isn't Coleman Hawkins' issue. It's just, it's finding out who he is. Yeah, it's playing smart, right? I mean, and, and that's yeah, he's obviously a really intelligent basketball player. It's just, you know, figuring out what he can do and, and what he shouldn't do on the court. And he's got to be on the court. I mean, the first uh, two games ago, he sat the last eight minutes uh, because he wasn't defending very well, right? So those are the things uh, you want to see next steps for him, and we'll see what he can learn from it. I do want to ask you defensively, you know, Notre Dame was able to get going, uh, especially in those ball screens with Wesley late in the game. What issues do you see there? Because obviously stopping the ball, has been a big issue for them early in the season. Well, Wesley's in, Wesley's a future NBA player. Um, I'll, t- I'll tell you that much. And he was really under the radar. I, I have a buddy that's strength coach at Purdue. And evidently, Jay, Jay Nivey, this is why I heard about Wesley. Jay Nivey was like raving about him. So when I was talking to my, my guy at Purdue, we just happened to be on the phone the other day. And he's like, hey, this Wesley guy. Um, I'm hearing really good things, you know, and I, I had seen the numbers and stuff, but watching him, his explosiveness, that's just a really good player. And, and that, they, they went relentlessly to that high ball screen with him. And it was working because you take Trent Frazier out of the equation. Even if he gets, even if he gets through the screen, it's still advantage Wesley, depending on how he cuts the corner. So it really ended up being Kofi defending one-on-one with Wesley, um, and you ran into some issues there. And I thought they did a better job towards the end of the game of being able to execute. But, you know, he scored 14, 15 straight points like he did. And they just went to the same action. So, you know, it's difficult. And you need to find ways to, to mix it up. But I thought given, given the scenario, you know, you're down 12, you're down 13. Like, there's just not a lot of pressure there. And, and comebacks happen. I think that what ends up – the thing I was most impressive, impressed with was when it was really not cutting time – at the end of the game, they executed pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, Sands, the free throw block out where everybody thought it was a two shots and it was one and one. Um, other than that, like I thought they, they stemmed the tide a little bit um, where you can lose momentum quickly in a basketball game. Um, and then they kind of went back to their calling card, their defense, um, you know, but it is going to start with that point of attack, right? It is going to start. And, and not every team is going to have a Wesley getting downhill like that. Um, but you'll see in the film breakdown, it's not just Kofi and it's not just Trent in that ball screen coverage. Like the guys that are on the wings, the guys that are in the corners have to be active enough to kind of make you second guess getting fully downhill. Maybe you stunt and stay and get the guy to pick up his dribble. I thought Plummer had a, had a chance to do a few of those things. Um, but, but it's a unit, right? Like it's not just they, – they try those middle ball screens because they want to isolate that middle of the floor. We talk about the middle third of the floor – isolate that middle of the floor so you don't have help on the wings in the, in the corner. Um, and then you just have like this, this two on two game almost with Kofi. And um, I thought they managed it pretty well. Wesley's a really good player, um, but you're right. It is something to, to, to sure up. And, and, you know, I think Kofi can continue to, to make strides in that regard. And the better he can be in ball screen coverage, I think kind of determines the, the ceiling for this team defensively. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Mike, I have one positive of all of this unknown of these injuries of Hutcherson being out, Grandison, Frazier. It's Alfonso Plummer getting his confidence, man. Like this guy is three of 11 shooting, but they need all these points, right? And in three straight games, I totals, uh, or he's averaging 24 points during these last three games. They need this. They need this kind of scoring burst and somebody that can like take advantage of all the attention that Kofi's getting. It seems like the shooting from him is contagious because the rest of the team, he didn't shoot all that well uh, against Notre Dame, but his teammates sure shot pretty well and they don't seem to be afraid of pulling the trigger. Uh, man, he is, he's feeling good. Uh, you know, he, he, he chucked a little bit, but made all those free throws at the end of the game, eight of eighties, 16 for 16, I believe this season um, they got him going, which is a really good thing after those first three games. Yeah, I think when you have men when you have men down, you start to wonder right, who's going to step up, who's going to fill that that void there. And I think the most impressive thing about Alfonso Plummer is that he's kind of done it just being Alfonso Plummer, <laughs> um, which is which is awesome because then when you bring Andre Curbelo back, it's not like hey, Cur- you know, Plummer's been succeeding because he's been so ball dominant. And once we once Curbelo comes back, the ball's out of his hands. Is his production going to dip? his production might not dip. I don't think he's going to be 24 a game, but I think the 13 a game that he's at right now is, is actually pretty realistic with the volume that he can get just based off his off the ball movement, based off the way that teams are guarding him now. And I think you're starting to see Brad Underwood put him in a lot more of screening situations, which is awesome. The better the shooter you are, the better the screener you have to be um, because you're going to free your teammates up. And if they do help, then you're freeing yourself up. Um, you saw late in the game, they were going to a lot of, of plumber back screen action for Kofi, which is awesome. Like Kofi stand at the free throw line, you go up back screen for him. They are going to stay glued to plumber and Kofi's going to come off free 
um, not always for a layup, but for a deep post touch. And those are things that you can see, like I keep going back, we'll break it down in the film, but you can see how they're starting to utilize those two in particular. And the beauty of it is those two don't need to dominate the ball. So you can still bring in, like I said, a Curbelo that can dominate the ball, um, but also has these pieces around him uh, that are so efficient, not having the ball in their hands. So I- I've been really impressed with him. Um, I- it's just, there's not many players like him in college basketball where you really look and when he catches the ball and shoots it, you're kind of like, there's no way that's missing. Like it just, all- it always looks good. And I think when it always looks good, they're always typically, they're never like bad misses or kind of out of position misses. And it's the reason why Kofi Coburn got four of those back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was three for 11, but Kofi Coburn, it might've been five, but I think it was four. He got four offensive rebounds off of Alfonso Plummer misses. And you just, you can't say enough about a guy that now you can see like the scout is out. Like he is moving his way up the personnel chart. Right. And I think the more that he moves up the personnel chart, the better that is for Illinois, because the more defenses are going to key in on him and the more it's going to free up more room for Kofi to operate, more room for Curbella to operate. Like it's, it's funny how the beginning of the season has played out, but I actually think getting Plummer going like this and you almost kind of hate the way that it happens right. because all these guys down, but it's going to really bode well for this team moving forward. And he's been really impressive. Yeah, and that's what the non-conference is all about, Mike, is trying to get a team, you know, gelled, figure out roles, what you can do, what you can't do, how you fit into a team. And they're still behind everybody else in the country in that, right? Because Curbelo, whenever he comes back, we're not sure when, then you got to figure that out. But as you were saying, you know, Curbelo was playing with this team for, for a stretch when they had Kofi, they didn't have Kofi. He played his best, I thought, even though the stats weren't ridiculous against Kansas State in the 20 minutes he played. Um, so where do you think this team is at and, and figuring all that out? I mean, we got two big 10 games here before the non-conference resumes, um, Arizona, obviously coming to town. So three huge games, you hope Curbelo is back at some point, but where do you think this team is overall and just figuring out what it is before January really hits and that, that huge big 10 stretch of 18 straight game starts? Well, well, how do you judge a team, Right. Like if you go from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, like what is, how do you judge a team? Do you judge a team based on how far they went in the NCAA tournament? What type of postseason birth they got? How the regular season went? I mean, I always pose the question, what would you rather have? The Illinois team last year that was a one seed and won the Big Ten tournament and got bounced by Loyola or the Syracuse team that, you know, barely snuck into the tournament. Can I answer this? Yeah, go ahead. I I determine a coach success, a team success by conference finish. That's how I do. Like I know the NCAA tournament matters the most. It's what we remember the most. But I think a a good program, you determine by what they do during the conference. Because uh, let's be honest, like this is not baseball or basketball or hockey where you have a whole seven-game series to figure out who the best team is. That is a better determination of who the best team is. What we love about the NCAA tournament is the randomness, right? You get that in single elimination tournament. The NFL, we get that as well. There's a lot of times I feel like the Super Bowl champion isn't the best team. And there's a heck of a lot of times when I think the NCAA champion or the final four doesn't represent like who the best teams were that season. So in my personal opinion, even though every fan thinks last year was not a success or, or ultimately a success because the NCAA tournament, that's the best year Illinois had since 2005. And there's no question because they dominated for most of the season. Oh, I think you're exactly right. And, I, and I'll, I'll piggyback off that and say, 
you know, obviously to, to put a bow on this in a sense, it's growth. That's, that's how you judge a season. Like, did we grow or did we not grow? Did we regress? And, and I think for this team, you're already seeing whatever the expectations were before the season or what they were, we've had some, like, obviously there's been some extenuating circumstances, guys out, but like, has this team grown from the Cincinnati game or the Marquette game to the Notre Dame game? Yes, they have. And what do you attribute that to? What I attribute that to is what I've said previously in, the, in this particular podcast is guys are figuring out who they are and how to be successful in the roles that they're in. There isn't this like wondering of, man, can I do like, I can be this guy on this team. And, and when guys are out, when guys are down, you can, that can creep into your head a little bit, right? Like, oh man, RJ, I'm RJ Melendez. I'm starting. That means I have to get X amount of shots up. And, you know, this is my game to put up 12 to 14 and show that I should stay in the starting lineup. And you watch RJ Melendez and RJ Melendez just played like RJ Melendez, mm-hmm. you know, catch and shoot, open threes, attacked when he attacked, was relatively solid defensively, you know, used his length. That is who he is, no matter if he plays two minutes or if he starts and plays 18. It doesn't, it shouldn't change. And I think guys are starting to truly realize that. I thought that was the strength of last year's team. I made that point last year. And I, I think I said it a lot on podcasts, like this team knows who they are. Um, Demonte Williams knows who he is. Demonte Williams has had a much different role, quote unquote, where Curbelo's out. And now you're the, you're like the pseudo point guard, but he still played like Demonte Williams. That doesn't mean you have to like break guys down, call for high ball screens, you know, make crazy reads. He just, he was the point guard, but he was still Demonte Williams, which is just make the easy play, knock down open shots, play hard, keep balls alive off. Like, you're, it's a team sport. You're the sum of your parts. I don't, I don't care what, how the roles change. You're always going to be a sum of your parts. And if those parts can figure out who they are and master that, right? Like, I think that's Andre Curbelo when he comes back. That's, I think Coleman Hawkins is getting there. Like, if I were to rank all of them by, like, who knows who, the, who, knows who they are and who doesn't so far, Coleman Hawkins probably is at the bottom of that list right now. And that's nothing against him. He's just that talented. He's just trying to find out what works within this team. Right. And Curbelo is the same way. When he comes back, it's like, well, now I thought of myself as being like the scorer now that Io's gone. But if I'm not really that, I can still be, a, I can still score, but like I can also facilitate because that's what I'm really good at. And those guys, that's all going to take form. And ideally, you know, three, four years ago, they started doing this like early Big Ten play game. But typically, the first Big Ten game was like New Year's Eve, um, right? And you give yourself a little bit more time before you get into conference play. But it's here now. So, you know, I think the Notre Dame game was a, was a great precursor or a great start, you know, of guys knowing their role. And it's just integrating the, the rest of these guys and getting them up to, to where you have a full unit of guys that know who they are. And that's when you become really dangerous. Well, and isn't this team set up, Mike, to where it's Kofi is the focal point, right? And then everyone else kind of shares in that score. Like, I'm just talking offensively. Like, everyone else has to share in that scoring. Like, Curbelo doesn't need to average 15 points a game. Coleman Hawkins doesn't need to average 15 points a game. Like, there could be a game Jacob Grandison's second in scoring, Trent Frazier second. You know what I mean? Like, this team, like, it felt like a preview of me to me of playing inside out, 
Kofi's double teams, getting two assists, you know, passing the ball up, you know, four or five times and creating so much gravity as we use that word over and over again to where all these other guys have open shots. And if they're shooters like Brad Underwood and, and these guys have seen all, all off season, it's a difficult team to guard. It's, it's maybe not as good as Purdue is uh, guard wise and, and shooting scoring wise, especially with Jaden Ivy there, but there are shades of that. There's so much gravity around ED and Trevian Williams that if you have three or four guys who can shoot around him, it's just really difficult to cover. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm really interested to see when, when Curbelo does come back into the lineup, you saw how far the scale was tilted towards high ball screens with Curbelo in the game when Curbelo was playing and how much it was tilted a little bit more towards other action into high-low for Kofi in this Notre Dame game. So what's that balance going to be? when Curbelo does come back. Um, I think there does need to be a balance. Um, you, you can't have all one or, or all the other. So that's, that's to me, to me, that's going to be the question. And honestly, I think the more that you, you know, like the more that you kind of give those steady doses to Curbelo of like high ball screens. And cause realistically that's, that's how you can get high low opportunities too. Like it all, it all ties in together. Um, but that's just the kind of stuff that I'm looking for. Right. Is, when Corbello does come back, what is the formula? Like I thought the formula in this particular game against Notre Dame was like, Hey, we're either, we either got Kofi at the front of the rim or we're shooting threes, catch and shoot in rhythm threes. And both of those are high percentage looks. So you don't need to do, you know, you don't need to reinvent the wheel, but um, that's what I'm looking for. I'm, lo- I'm looking to see what this team's identity becomes offensively, uh, when you have all the parts back and they're all clicking. Cause I think you're going to have, I think you're going to have a little bit of everything. Oh. All right, Mike, what are you looking for against a Rutgers team that, that did beat Clemson, not a good Clemson team, beat them at home. Uh, I guess it's Jersey Mike's arena now, not the rack anymore, but that that's oh, a really man. good, yeah, that's a really good home advantage for them. Um, they don't shoot it very well. Geo Baker has been out. So that should help Illinois. Uh, Omarui was really good last night, but it's going against Kofi <laughs> this time, so uh, going to be a little bit tougher of a task. We know what Ron Harper Jr. did to Illinois last year, uh, but Illinois dominated in the Big Ten tournament, right? So you got that game, and then an Iowa team, man, that, that might be better than we thought, especially with Keegan Murray doing what he's doing, his, his younger brother Chris playing really well, Bohannon's still there. They can score. So next two games, before I talk to you again, what are you looking for? Well, let's start with Rutgers. You know, what I can almost say for certain – is that we're not going to have another 91-88 game like there was last year in, in Piscataway. Um, this, is, this is a Rutgers team that has struggled mightily offensively um, and, quite frankly, in, in, in parts has struggled defensively, which is pretty, pretty un, unlike a Steve Peichel team. Um, you know, they, they're, you know, offensively, like I said, they, they haven't shot the ball well. Um, you know, they, haven't, they just haven't scored it well. They don't shoot free throws well. Um, but the one thing they do do is, is, is take care of the ball. Um, but I think the one thing that's really holding them back right now, and you always go back to teams that can't shoot the ball. Well, okay, well, what's the issue when you don't have a real post presence, like a true post presence that you have to account for, and you don't have a point guard, you know, if Geo Baker is not the one breaking guys down and if he's out for this game, how are you getting, how are you getting the defense to commit like to get open shots? So then most shots become, lower percentage shot. So if you're Illinois, it's let's stay out of rotation and let's continue the trend for Rutgers, right? Let's continue making them shoot 
low percentage shots. Because if Geo Baker plays, they still have Ron Hopper Jr. Um, and we know Ron Hopper Jr. is liable to to make five or six threes in a game. Like he's that's not out of the question. So I'm looking at these next two games because these are the positions, the successful positions for these teams offensively are kind of in that spot that you kind of question defensively for, for Illinois, right? Is it, and, and I'm looking at Coleman Hawkins, like this is going to be a good litmus test for him is you got Ron Harper jr. And you got Keegan Murray. So who do you stick on those guys? I mean, I thought last year I, down the stretch against Ohio state, DeMonte Williams did really well against EJ Liddell. Um, so maybe you have that type of matchup. It's going to be by committee. Maybe it's a Jacob Grandison. Maybe you just, you rotate guys onto him, but this is a really, really good test for Coleman. Um, you know, you got some really good, you know, small forwards, power forwards that, that you're playing against. But look, you know, Mulcahy's still there. Mulcahy won them the game in Piscataway last year. You know, just doing his dirty work, keeping balls alive, getting guys frustrated, technical fouls, you know, and he's still there too, right? And so this is a team that has won, like this team has won games. Um, the guys that are on the floor have one game. So this is not going to be a rollover type of game. But if they, if, if Illinois can do what they did offensively, which is feeding the big man, taking high percentage catch and shoot in rhythm threes, and, and just being solid and taking care of the ball, and then on the other end, forcing those low percentage shots, I, I like their chances. And then same thing with, same thing with Iowa, right? Like you can't get Murray going early. Um, you can't get him going all, honestly. I mean, he can get it going at any point during the game. Um, and then same thing with Bohannon, right? Bohannon, another guy that's liable for four, five, six, seven threes. Um, I think you, if you, if you shut those two, I don't want to say shut those two down because that's likely not going to happen. But if you make other guys beat you, I, I, I like their chances in that game as well. Mike, uh, love it as always, man. Uh, if you want more Michael Tulip, we're going to do a VIP film room right after this, breaking down the Notre, Notre Dame game. But Mike, Big Ten plays here, then it's Arizona. Uh, it's, it's getting hot and heavy here. And then a little bit of a break uh, as the non-conference continues with a couple lower-level teams. But you're going to learn a lot more about this team over the next couple of weeks, and we'll talk about it next week, man. That's right. I appreciate it, man. Great stuff as always from Michael Tulip. And if you want more great basketball analysis from Michael Tulip, the VIP film room is now up as well. And Mike basically just takes us through what it's like as a coach with his players, breaking down film, probably a little bit more positive uh, than, than a coach would do through some of the film room, but a great breakdown of what happened against Notre Dame, the good, what Illinois can improve on as well. So great stuff from Mike. And uh, he will be with us throughout the season, breaking this down both on the podcast and, and in our VIP film room so we're really really lucky uh, to have Mike and be able to pick his brain uh, he's just been a fantastic addition to all of this at Illini Inquirer all right the latest on Illinois basketball Illinois football a lot of stuff in recruiting going on had a lot of updates on that side both class of 2022 prospects and diving into the transfer portal a little bit and, and boy that transfer portal uh, deep waters of transfers there right now and and Illinois of course interested in in many upgrades at many positions and Brett Bielema and his staff are busy on the recruiting trail. So we got you taken care of all over on Illinois football and Illinois basketball at IlliniInquire.com. So check it out there. Of course, whenever there's news, whenever there's a game, we're here to break it down here on the Illini Inquire podcast. So give us a follow, give us a rating review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out. It's been awesome to see all you Spotify listeners uh, give us
giving us a shout out with your uh, Spotify Wrapped. Uh, you know, seeing how many hours, minutes you guys are spending with us throughout the year, it's been really cool. Because uh, I know, you know, I have certain podcasts I follow and listen to all the time and it just your companion right so uh, thanks for making us a companion whether it's your drive your walks your workouts whatever it is Um, glad we could be a part of that make it a little bit better so uh, appreciate all you guys for following along and appreciate your VIP members man we had we had over 150 new VIP members over the last month and and that support has just been awesome Uh, it's been great and that's why we bring guys on like uh, Jay Lehman uh, Michael Tulip to make that VIP experience even better. Joey Wagner as well in the last year. We're trying to make you guys that VIP subscription uh, the most valuable thing uh, that you have. So glad you guys have all signed up for that. Until next time, everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time on the Online Inquirer podcast. Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale. Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.